I'm Julie. And this is a Good Story is Hard to Find podcast. Where two Catholic friends talk about the books and movies they love and the traces of the one reality that lie below the surface. Mm-hmm. Yes, and uh, this is episode number 223, um, our first episode of uh, 2020, and our the beginning of our 10th year. Crazy. Yeah, it's hard to even think about. <laughs> So many good stories. Yes, for sure, for sure. I refuse to rename the podcast, but <laughs> I think we proved it wrong. A good story is not very hard to find. No, <laughs> no, no, no. I love it. I love it. Well, we have with us a guest. Well, we're super pleased to have him. Um, we have Joseph from the Zombie Parents Guide, and he selected a movie for us to watch and talk about on this episode. And uh, welcome, Joseph. Yeah, welcome. Thank you so much. It's uh, it's a great privilege to be here. It's pretty exciting. Oh. I've been listening to the podcast from the beginning, uh-huh. so it's uh, it's wow. I can't believe ten years. Wow, it's yeah. flying by. It's really unbelievable. Yeah. And I can't believe you're still listening. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just you yeah. know, that's that's uh, a lot of books and movies. And I have always we're friends on Goodreads. And I will always see you're reading the book we're going to talk about and reviewing it so thoughtfully. Um, it, it's it's nice for me. You know, we don't get a lot of comments from people. So I'm always like, oh, there he is. He's keeping up, you know, ah, cool. which I appreciate. Yeah. yeah. Super nice. Love it. Love it. Now, well, why, cool. is your, why is your blog named that? Oh, so in, I, did, I had another blog before that that uh, was just like a test, like a warm-up blog, kind of like ah. this movie is for the other movie. Um, but then I, we had a kid and, you know, there's these, you don't expect this, the sleep deprivation that you get, you know, I mean, you hear about it, but you don't believe how bad it is. Plus when you have your first kid, I don't know, maybe this is not your experience, but our experience was, Oh, the baby's napping. I can get stuff done. And then when the baby wakes up, you have to stay awake. So you kind of lose that sleep time that you should have taken advantage of. Yes. So they kind of turn you into a zombie, right? You're like walking around trying, why am I, what am I doing? Why, why did I come to the kitchen? Kind of, uh, you know, there's other ways to become zombies. You know, the old way was the voodoo magic in Jamaica or the, the whatever so virus. Much better. You, know, you have the kid. Uh, the kid turns you into a zombie. <laughs> but it's definitely like the classic, the Jamaican zombies. Cause you know, they did, um, and that time you made a zombie. That zombie was just your slave to do kind of labor and stuff. It wasn't, they weren't eating people. Oh, like you're the right. Plantation workers, basically. <laughs> then you are the zombie. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, the whole flesh eating thing didn't happen until the George Romero, uh, Night of the Living yeah. Dead stuff. Really? I didn't know yeah. that. So they were, yeah. they were just happily serving you uh, umbrella drinks well. or what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unthinkingly serving you, yeah. I think, is more the, but yes. <laughs> That's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> well, cool. Well, geez, welcome, welcome. We're so happy to have you. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, so what are we going to talk about today? Today we're going to talk about Lord of the Rings. Yeah. <laughs> Again. Sweet. Again. There's so much there. You can never get all of it. <laughs> uh, we're talking about the the Devil's Backbone, a Guillermo del Toro film from 2001. Oh, that's awesome. Which was. Uh, it's kind of set during the Spanish Civil War, just like Pan's Labyrinth. And mm-hmm. if you listen to the commentary on the DVD, he says uh, 
they're kind of companion films. They kind of work together, and they're kind of mm. his favorite films. There's two most personal films. Mm. He's actually from Mexico, but I think he's just got that uh, that Latin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we did I, uh, we did an episode on Pan's Labyrinth. Good story number seventy. Yeah. Yeah, I was realizing after watching this, I need to watch it again because mm-hmm. it's been since then. I think uh-huh. I have not seen it because you know it, no one's assigned it to me, and no. uh, <laughs> it's it's. Obviously, he's thinking about all the same things. When you see this movie, you're like, oh, having seen them in backwards order from when he did them, this is like the starter kit. Mm. You know, the simpler one, but still similar themes and thoughts and Spanish Civil War, of course, because what else is there? (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. um, Yeah. Yeah, So, what made you pick this one in particular? Was there something special or? Well... It's been a kind of a favorite film of mine. I mean, I love Guillermo del Toro as a director. I think he's done a lot of really great work. I mean, even his worst films are still pretty good. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just a really interesting, there's the interesting discussions about, uh, I think a lot of the people believe in stuff, but they're kind of unfulfilled. Ah, and, different, and just okay. the different, the, the big thing though, that always struck me the first time I saw it, that was like a profound, like, wow, what the heck, what does this mean? Is when he uh, drinks the, We'll get to that. Oh boy, yeah. After this big speech about you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Speech about it. I thought the devil's backbone was the mountains they were near, but guess what? No, there's something yeah. much grosser going on. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so right, right. But that moment that he drank that, I was like, whoa, what? Even though he gave this big speech about how this stuff doesn't do anything, mm. and then he still drinks it, I was like, wow. Yeah, it's just kind of was fascinating to me. It was well, fascinating. See, and I always have the more shallow thought. I was like, oh, he saw that Anthony Hopkins version of, and Antonio Banderas version of Zorro. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I just kind of went, oh, I've seen this before. Um, so it was nasty, but not as shocking as it probably should have been. Uh, yeah. I've yeah. been ruined for it. Wow. Sorry. Gotcha. Yeah, so um, I wanted to just do a, a quick little bit of background, um, just really fast. Um, this movie was, um, oh shoot, I don't see the year. 2001. 2001, okay. Um, so he did um, two big movies before this. Um, I, oh. call, I call him big. Um, so th- this was really early in his career, but um, you know the bigger, biggest movies he had done anyway. The first one was Kronos. And oh, then um, the second one was Mimic. And Mimic was in English, and I believe Kronos was also in Spanish. Um, but Mimic did not do that well. And um, he kind of thought his career was over. And this is, <laughs> I'm getting this information from uh, Guillermo del Toro, Cabinet of Curiosities, my notebooks. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's a really cool book. It's got a bunch of his uh, notebooks pages in it. And he, he writes, you know, it's all in Spanish. Um, his notebook pages, and then he doodles all over the place. And it's really cool to kind of see how these things are developing in his head. Um, but he was pretty sure his career was over after Mimic because it didn't do well. And yeah. then, Plus, um, he kind of butted heads with the studio in that film. Right. They wanted to put stuff yeah. in that so he was, didn't want in. And... It was generally a, a disappointment for him personally. Yeah. Um, soul deadening, I guess. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But he was at the, uh, it says here in this book, he was at the Miami International Film Festival. And then someone walked up to him and said, are you Guillermo del Toro? 
And he said, I turned and he said, I'm Pedro Almodovar. I love Kronos <laughs> and I would love to produce your next movie. And wow. uh, here's Devil's Backbone. Yeah. Man. Which is something that he had been working on. It didn't come from nowhere. I mean, it was something that he had he had felt like he was moving towards that movie, you know, the, this movie. And then yeah. uh, cool. was very pleased to be able to make it the way that he wanted and everything. Um, he, he had a lot of freedom in this movie. Hmm. So that's all I wanted to say as, as far as introduction to the, to what I found about the, you know, background of it. Yeah. But, I think Christmas is a very personal film too yeah, for him, but he had, yeah. the budget was so low. You could tell mm-hmm. from watching it that it's had a lot of interesting ideas. And if he had had more money, I think it would have been a more polished. Yeah. But it's still a really interesting film. It's very interesting. So yeah, yeah. let's, let's summarize it. Uh, for people who haven't seen it, and then we'll move into Devil's Backbone. Uh, yeah, yeah, the Devil's Backbone, right? Let's summarize it, and then uh, for those who haven't seen it, uh, they can go see it before we talk about the rest of it. Sounds good. I guess the the movie starts. You see a bomb dropping out of a, a plane that lands in an orphanage and doesn't explode. Mm-hmm. And then you see there's then it cuts to this like boy with a head injury who gets tossed into this water and you see this other boy is like kind of cradling him kind of like smelling the blood and he looks pretty guilty. Mm-hmm. And then the, then the credits start. And so that's like a little bit of background of the setup of uh-huh. the situation. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's all we need to know. <laughs> yeah. Done. Yeah. There it is. So, <laughs> so yeah, so you've got this, this orphanage in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, it's in Spain in 1939, uh, which is the final year of the Spanish civil war. And, um, there's a group of boys at this orphanage and, um, clearly very poor. Uh, there's not a lot of, uh, things for them. Um, and then you start to meet the people that are running the orphanage, um, as, and, and, and we were introduced to this because there's a new character being introduced to the orphanage, um, who doesn't believe that he's going to be staying there. They're just visiting for a second, (laughs) Poor fella. Um, but well, he's so innocent that yeah. it really establishes how innocent he is. He's never suspects it. Even when somebody mm-hmm. brings it up, he's like, Oh no. Yeah. My tutor would never abandon me, even though I don't know where my <laughs> father is. So That's right. you know. Yeah. 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 So this this war's on, and so Carlos is his his name. Uh this this boy who's really the main character of the movie, um, Carlos is th- that that's where the movie really starts after the intro that uh Joseph just said, then Carlos comes in and, and now we're starting to meet everybody in the orphanage. Um, and uh, at the same time, we're learning a little bit about the background, a little bit about that this is in the uh, Spanish Civil War because um, there are some secrets in this place. Um, clearly, the orphanage has sort of a, I, I would say it a second purpose, but it's not really, it's just a place where they're hiding some money. Um, that, that we, we know, um, because the people that are bringing Carlos are talking to some, the people that are running the orphanage and they're talking about the cause and all that stuff. Oh, right. I totally forgot that whole conversation about the gold. Right. So they're, they're saying, uh, you know, just talking about how they're going to need this money later and um, we just need to do this for the cause, etc. <laughs> the kids don't have food, right. but the woman who's in charge of things is like, oh no, 
this money's for the cause. And you're just like, wow, <laughs> yeah. hardcore. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the kids Very are hardcore. starving, but yeah. that's okay. Yeah. And then they say, and by the way, uh, we've brought you another kid and another she, orphan. Yeah. yeah. Another <laughs> orphan. And she said, Oh boy, you know, I'm, we can't even afford to feed the ones we have. Um, and that's how we kind of know their situation. And uh, out in the in the courtyard, um, Carlos is looking around, finds a slug, and gets to meet some of the other kids that are there because, uh, uh, well, he meets, um, what was the, the kid's name? Uh, Jaime. Jaime, okay, yeah. He's and kind of a bully. He's kind of a bully, yeah, and he gets bullied yeah, immediately by Jaime, yeah. <laughs> Right. So, and a couple of uh, <clears throat> similar sort of souls, you know, who are mm-hmm. just, you know, also kind of just interested in slugs and comic books, which right. is kind of, yeah. yeah. Yep. So he kind of shows them that stuff, and then what happens is uh, the people that oh, brought he, him to visit. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. He does see one other kid there. He does. There's yeah. a scene where he looks in this doorway and he sees uh, this kid with the uh, bleeding head. Mm-hmm. And the blood is like floating up in the air. And you're like, what? Oh, <laughs> I couldn't see that from that point. I could just mm-hmm. see a kid with a white face. Uh, yeah. yeah. But then he looks away and he looks back and the kid is gone. Right. So you're like, Ooh, what was that? It's very fast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. So then, um, yeah, he's left there. Uh, the people that brought him uh, leave him there in a traumatic way i would say (laughs) (laughs) basically just walked out and 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 poor carlos ran after him yeah and then um yeah didn't even say goodbye yeah didn't even say goodbye or anything it was not even an explanation that was that was rough and then we uh let's see we meet dr cesares i think the the orphanage doctor Mm -hmm. who sort of follows him out there and uh takes him under his wing and brings him inside and starts to explain to him what's what's going on tries to to uh comfort him and and things but uh carlos is now part of the orphanage and then um the story takes off from there and uh there's whispers about the uh the sighing how did they put that again the ghost who sighs the the ghost who sighs the boy who sighs sighs, right and he immediately uh, starts to have experiences with that ghost. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, he's, uh, yeah, so it's interesting movie in terms of, uh, it's like it covers several different genres kind of stitched mm. together in terms of like, so you have the, now you're in the orphanage, who's going to be the awful bully? What are you going to have to go through because of this? Mm-hmm. And while well, the ghost is occasionally showing up and freaking everyone out, especially <laughs> him. Mm-hmm. And, um, because the, the boys simultaneously use the threat of the ghost and then are like, oh, and we're also scared of it. But yeah, so you have the bullying scenes, what the boy discovers when he's like, you know, doing whatever the penalty is, like getting a jug of water, um, where we're introduced to another character. He's a young, very virile young man who's romancing the assistant, mm-hmm. kitchen maid. Conchita. I don't know who this girl is. Yeah. Is, is it made clear? I don't know. Anyway, she's young and beautiful mm-hmm. and kind of nice. She's kind yeah. enough. Um, and then it kind of, the story kind of morphs as we discover the relationship between this young man, the older lady who's running the place, who's not old. She's just older. Yeah, and, yeah. and Dr. Cesare, who is old. Um, and so then there's that part of the story that mm-hmm. we just kind of stop and take that in. And then it goes back to 
kind of starting to intertwine all this stuff because the young man is looking for the gold and uh, and not very nice if he comes across the kids mm. at all. Yeah. You kind of expect him to be like, oh, well, it's okay. No, <laughs> he, he's not tolerant. And um, yeah, so that sets up the whole dynamic of some, there's, there's somebody trying to find the treasure. There's these adults who are dissatisfied with their lives and longing for love with people who don't pay attention to them. Um, it, which is includes the kids, you know, who all want attention in different ways. And at some point the bully becomes more sympathetic. And, um, so then his story kind of becomes a little interesting because you see, he's kind of a mirror of another character. So anyway, um, yeah. And then there's the whole ghost dynamic and the boys, uh, relationship with the ghost is kind of interesting because he's both terrified of him and yet drawn to him. He wants to talk to him and find out why he's there. At the same time as he's running and screaming and hiding in the bathroom, holding it. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, you got your, your dual thing here. You bet. All right. Well, that's a, an excellent summary. So um, Between the three of us, we stitched it together, we, we right? It Just like the movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, I highly recommend this movie. Um, if you want to see it before we uh, talk about it in depth, please do. Um, but we're going to go ahead and do that right now. Yeah. All right. So cool. Yep. So um, w- one of the interesting things to me in this movie that that leapt out is the ghost himself, right? Um, it's, it was interesting to me that the ghost was introduced so quickly and there was interactions and we saw the ghost and all this stuff. You know, uh, often in a, in a ghost movie, the ghost is just somebody that you see at the end. You know what I mean? But here we saw him and interacted with him quickly so that he was like a kid. He was like one of the other kids. Yeah. And this is where it was kind of interesting to me and how he was presented because you're right. That's a good point. He felt like one of the kids sometimes because when you just saw him standing there, it was just a kid with white face on. You could see this. Mm -hmm. But then when he was moving around, there were the little like reflections, sparkles around him. The blood was drifting up because the minute I saw that, I was like, oh, he must have drowned. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that's your clue. Uh, and he then could disappear, but he could affect things. He could leave footprints. So then he became a little scarier. Mm-hmm. But for me, maybe because he was interwoven, this movie had a ghost. But to me, it wasn't really a ghost story. Mm-hmm. It was completely a revenge story against Yacinto, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who was the young man, the very yeah. young man. And uh, the ghost was just one element of everything that was going on. So, because he wasn't precipitating anything, he was just kind of warning. Yeah. I that, felt like. Well, Maybe that, that's, that's wrong. That's, what do you guys think? Well, I, I, was, I was captured by the ghost story. Um, yeah, if I was going to describe this movie to somebody, I would call it a ghost story. But it does, but I hadn't really thought of it the way that you're presenting it there. But it, you know, just the fact that I think it's a a typical ghost story, you know, I probably agree with you, you know, the, because, you know, we're, we're not, we're not being hidden from that ghost, you know, strange things are happening, strange things are happening. We find out who the ghost is and then there's the end. You know what I mean? That That's kind of the mm-hmm. typical ghost story uh, sort of thing. But in this case, to me, he was one of the boys. 
you know, uh, and, and Carlos went from being horrified by him. Well, I don't know that he ever stopped being horrified by him, but he was determined to find out what he wanted. You know, mm-hmm. kind of like you know, in the Sixth Sense. Remember that? You know, when that yeah, when that moment where yeah. where uh, where he told tells <laughs> him, "Hey, find out what they want." You know, yeah. and then the, his why don't you he, ask them? Yeah, yeah, he was able to change yeah. his attitude toward that. Um, but but I did think that was a little atypical. Um, and I did hear uh, Del Toro say some things about Gothic. Um, I don't know if uh, let's see. I made notes about that. Oh, did you really? <laughs> oh, oh, perfect. Commentary. Yeah, so over. it's kind of like a classic gothic story. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah, it, it, it is. It's like a gothic story, but in a different place than they're usually told. Yeah, usually it's like yeah. the old mansion, and it's uh, there's like a couple or whatever that are romantically involved, and there's mm-hmm. some unresolved past problem that's causing mayhem. Yeah, and I think you're right, Scott, that the the ghost in this story usually the ghosts and ghost stories are like causing problems. They like destroy stuff or scare people or try to get people killed. Mm-hmm. And in this story, the ghost is kind of just there trying to, trying to talk to uh, Carlos. He's not so much um, uh, t- trying to terrorize him. He's trying to talk to him, trying to get him. Cause you know, at the end mm-hmm. he says the big thing he wants is like bring uh, Jacinto to me. Right. Yeah. That's all that he wants it. So there's the revenge element is there, but mm-hmm. It's he's not as uh, like the angry or the hostile kind of ghost. Yeah, he keeps saying so many are going to die, mm-hmm. yeah. and that's why Carlos is like, I don't want people to die. So what can we do? And he says, Well, bring Jacinto to me. Right. So he goes so. from thinking that the ghost is going to cause those deaths, yeah, yeah, right, to uh, after that happens, realizing that he didn't cause that, and he was just basically telling him that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's definitely an atypical story. Um, so yeah, so in in yeah, I mean, I I, I don't disagree with you, Julie, at all. It's oh no, yeah. I just uh, I just saw it and I was like, mm-hmm. oh okay, I expected to be scared more, or whatever, uh-huh. and not that yeah. not that I was unhappy about that. I was <laughs> happy there were so few jump scenes. Good job, Jess. Uh, I was just like, I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, I've been putting this off for so long. I don't want to be scared. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm horrified by some of the things people are doing because they're yeah. awful. But yeah. yes. Yeah, so, those, do you think of it as a ghost story, Joseph? Uh, I think that's just an element, like like Scott said, or you guys said, that's kind of a mashup of different things. There's the war story, which I think the war story is pretty minimal. The ghost story, and then this kind of the kind of a coming of age story, I guess, for the kids, because mm-hmm. that's the way the the movie kind of ends up. You know, the mm-hmm. kids leave the orphanage and are bonded together to go out and face the world. Um, so it's got kind of a bunch of different genres working in And then gothic romance, like Del Toro said, that he was yeah. kind of inspired by. Which kind of explains yeah. some of the strange elements that are in there, like the the um, the the lady and her affair with uh, uh, Jacinto. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, why is that in there? But I guess that's pretty a, a standard thing in gothic romances. There's somebody... With a, a carnal relationship kind of thing. Yeah, um, it's interesting to well, see. I don't know how much Del Toro you guys have seen, but it's interesting not only in Pan's Labyrinth, but in things like Crimson Peak. Um, you know, uh, th- there's these things that he just are really, you know, signature things that he does. That um, the, the way that the ghost looked, I, I really liked. Um, it was almost like a porcelain 
but this this you know the blood kind of coming up from his head and in the <laughs> I air. I did like that. That yeah. was just and amazing. The little reflections like light on the water. Yeah, and and then um, when the ghost disappears, there's this. There's just like a mist still left, you know. Mm-hmm. That uh, yeah. uh, Carlos one time he actually moved his hand in, um, but but Crimson Peak has similar ghosts um, that, that are designed kind of the same way with uh, just this mist and stuff coming out. Mm-hmm. But then, as you said that with the relationship uh, between Jacinto and um, oh, what is her name? Uh, Marissa, uh, Marissa, yeah, Carmen. Marissa? Sorry, Marissa is the actress's name. Uh, yeah, Carmen. Um, there was also a similar thing in Crimson Peak, and Crimson Peak was definitely a gothic romance ghost story movie. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, but but I mean, it was uh, people behaving badly <laughs> in in the house, right? But it, but it had the house. Um, in fact, I think Crimson Peak was the house's name, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah. 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 So the, uh, yeah, but it it was just, it was like a hundred percent Gothic romance there. And then, so I didn't make that connection until you just said that. Um, so you're right. It's just an element of a Gothic romance is that. Yeah. But then you also have in this story, you have Dr. Cesaris who seems to love Carmen, but is unable yeah, to no seems to right <laughs> yeah okay. absolutely absolutely does but it is yeah. unable to uh, yeah he's impotent he's unable to um you know kind physically articulate it even yeah. though he reads poetry yeah he can't articulate that he loves her right it just kind yeah. of that beautiful yeah. shot of him like reading the poetry through the wall and she's on the other side oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah or the the yeah. little moment where their fingers touch mm-hmm. yeah so yeah mm-hmm. really charming. Well, and she's interesting because what, you know, Del Toro is so good at, too, is visual symbolism. And so, you know, she's missing a leg. She's got a problem. She's missing something. And what she seems to be missing to me is an actual heart because, you know, she's using this young boy who has grown up the way he has because, you know, they talk about the history at one point. She's like, you were always the saddest of the orphans. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so you go, oh, my gosh. This started a long time ago when he was an inappropriate age, although maybe in Spain at that time, 17 or whatever it was, was fine. Um, mm. But she was definitely older and more knowledgeable. And we see the echoing of that in um, Jaime and whoever the young, beautiful girl oh, yeah, is, yeah. Yes. servant. Wow, yeah. Who I he made that longs for her and loves her from afar and he knows he's not worthy of her, but like he gets the, the cigar band that's so pretty and she's nice to him. She's not doing it because of any need of her own. She's, you know, the, um, just, Jacinto, Jacinto, uh, says, what's that on her finger? She goes, Oh, kid stuff, hmm. but she's not being mean to the kid and she's not taking advantage of him. She's, she understands because hmm. she's a normal yeah. human being. She's one of the only ones there who's normal mm-hmm. uh, of the adults. And sure. so you've got that kind of parallel story where we can see, here's how he started out. And here's what he turned into. And I feel like part of that was because of her careless, predatory behavior with him. him. Yeah, or whether wow. she just fell into it. And then you have, of course, talk about the elephant in the room, the unexploded bomb in the courtyard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> where they say, it's been diffused and people keep going up to it and banging on it and everything, which didn't ever bother me. I was like, this seems too obvious to blow up. But it's, yeah. you know, half of it's buried. Well, what's going on around there that you can can't see that's buried below the surface that's going <laughs> to blow any time because it hasn't been diffused. They are the bomb. Wow. Um, wow. 
Jacinto especially is the bomb. And that, so that's fascinating. Um, yeah. As you're, as you're explaining that, the, the thought that I'm having is Jaime as a, as a mirror to Jacinto, right? It's, it's interesting mm-hmm. how Jacinto turned out, right? But Jaime turned out different. Jaime actually well, helped. He hasn't Carl- had a chance to turn out yet. Yeah, he hasn't. But, yeah. it, but by the end, he was uh, with Carlos doing the right things. Well, right, yeah, because he was, he was he taking wasn't revenge. taken advantage of. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, he um, he has to make it. His his decision point comes differently. Mm-hmm. His decision point is, who are you going to go with? Yeah, are you going to be loyal to the the group and the doctor? Um, uh-huh. And he sees himself as one of them. Right. He hasn't been pulled out of the herd, so to speak. You know, it, just it like makes I ever saw, wonder, he was the yeah. saddest one to Jacinto. Yeah, it makes me so, wonder if he was trying to emulate Jacinto and then uh, learned who he was. When, you know, the, the yeah, moment I, of change, wasn't it when uh, Jacinto gave him back the cigar ring? Right. That's right, because that's the point where uh, Jaime is like, oh, oh yeah. to kill Jacinto. The next yeah. he, knows she, he knows she was killed. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. And then he kind of becomes an adult at that point, I think. He gets yeah. kind of leaving aside the kid's stuff. He's yeah, he realizes, definitely... Definitely makes well, a decision there. And each of them is loyal to the woman they love, right? So, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, uh, she, the, what's her name, only lost a leg. Mm-hmm. She's still alive and making decisions that affect other people. That girl was self sacrificially going off to take care of everyone, where I was like, really? Someone who looks like you just kind of head out into war torn civil, uh, problems. Oh, I don't like this. <laughs> you know, so the truck is coming back and you're like, oh no, this is no good. Yeah, not good. Um, but yeah, that's he. So that's his decision has been made already. He's loyal. He's going to get revenge because the whole thing, maybe I've seen too many Indian movies, <laughs> but this whole movie, it's, you know, who's done who wrong and who's going to get revenge for it. Hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah, on on Conchita too. I thought it was interesting. Oh, that's um, it. Her name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, her. It was almost like she was giving communion to the kids. You know, with the 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 vitamins or whatever she was giving them it oh, happened a couple of times. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's mm-hmm. the symbolism that I had in my head anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether that actually connects to anything or not, I'm not sure. Oh, good one on the Catholic stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I was wondering too, because there's that moment where they're carrying the crucifix out there mm. into the courtyard and it's very heavy. Yeah. And um, then do- doesn't, is it Dr. Cesari who says something about crisis in the courtyard and John the Baptist is here inside or something? Mm. And then, yeah. but then they just kind of drop it, unless I've just missed every connection it made to it, you know. No, no. Yeah. I think that scene. That scene, what do you, you guys know, think? they were they were kind of like the Reds. They were like the communist uh, right uh, faction, but they realized that the other side was winning. So mm-hmm. they need to kind of like you know, you like you change your flag out in front of your house depending on uh, who's winning. Okay. The so they're putting out all the Catholic stuff because they realize the uh, the nationalists that are like the Catholics. Okay are kind of taking over. So they kind of want to like, look like, Hey, we're Catholic here, even though they're kind of okay. not really. Well, like, okay. That makes sense. Cause I was going, I don't know why they did that, but they did mention it at one point, yeah. even if I didn't remember it right. Cause I didn't write it down. But, um, and so I was thinking, 
in a movie so laden with parallels and symbolism and hey guys did you miss this part um i was just like what else is that showing us i mean the boys are carrying it out it's very heavy and all that kind of thing but that's commonplace Mm -hmm. so i don't know I just thought I'd bring it up now. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's also I, the, the boys are carrying the cross, like they're doing it yeah. together. So there's mm-hmm. like the team kind yeah. of teamness there. And there's, they're carrying mm-hmm. this burden of living in this, this kind of hellish orphanage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I found, you know, sometimes Del Toro is hard. Uh, you know, he, he throws a lot of symbols out, but they're not always some <laughs> a coherent thing. Oh, yeah, I've heard him in the past talk about uh, liking, um, what did he call them, surrealists? Or um, basically, yeah, you yeah. know, symbols, symbols. Uh, there was some point in art where people stopped doing things that were symbolic and then explaining what it meant. Mm-hmm. Instead, they would do something that's symbolic and let it be whatever it was to whoever was watching it, right? Or, oh, okay. or, or watching it or viewing the painting or whatever. Um, and I think that that's what he likes. He doesn't like, um, it's like, this means something to you. You feel like you're watching it and you're like, wow, this, this is meaningful to me in a deeper way. Um, but it may be something different to you than it is to someone else, you know? And he Uh, loves that. He loves that. He, he works in that. That's, that's his favorite thing. And then. You should love what we did with the end of of Pan's Labyrinth. Absolutely, I think he would love that we're talking about it. I mean, to me, yeah, you know, um, that's that's who he is. I think. Okay. Yeah. All right. Do did I do that justice, Joseph? Do you feel the same? I think so. Yeah, yeah, he does. I guess they went from like uh, I forget which was it like the Romantics or something where they did like things to shock you, some images to shock you, and eventually it turned into surrealism where it's just weird images for the sake of weird images. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you pull whatever meaning out of it that you, uh, that you see there. Yeah. And Del Toro is definitely into that. I think he's right. sometimes he just does stuff just for effect. Yeah. So you, you bring it with you. So sometimes, you know, there are things like, like the, like her, you know, to me, that was communion. That's what communion looks like, right? Sure. It's her, mm-hmm. to, her to give something to every kid as she's walking down the line, you know? And I'm like, well, you know what does what does that make her? Is it a Christ figure? You know, sure, sure it could be. Um, it's not not a perfect one, um, but it's it's interesting. Yeah, he he's like you know strumming these strings that are deeper. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know what I mean. And it's just like how does that? It stirs me that way, but I don't always, I can't always grasp exactly something. So. Well, and that makes sense with uh, what you're saying about he likes to throw symbols out there that might occur to him, but he may not connect them all, which I'm like, mm. eh. Um, but so because something that kept getting mentioned all the time was the Count of Monte Cristo mm. because of the comic yeah, because book. Of the Have comic you finished book, right. reading? Has he escaped yet? No, he's still mm. digging. He's with digging a tunnel. Oh, so he's met the Abbe or the who friar, whoever mm. he is. And yeah, yeah. he's like um, – and I, so I was going, okay, so, so much revenge in that book. And the point of which is, I'll just spoil it, revenge is bad. Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> in this, that's not necessarily what I came away with. It was more of a, I don't know what was going on, but, um, uh, yeah, like murder is bad, I guess. Um, mm. Be nicer. 
Jacinto. But um, <laughs> anyway, so because that got brought up a few times, I kept waiting for something else to come back and tie it in. And it didn't. It just kind of sat there for us to kind of think about. So, Yeah, I think it also sets up the orphanage as kind of a jail that they need to escape from. Like, you're never going to be prosperous here. You're never going to have a good life mm-hmm. at this place because it's just it's just not working out. Well, and Dr. Cesari is the one who's going to help them if anyone can, and he's the one yeah. who keeps bringing it up. But And the orphanage is also, it stands in for a lot of things. I mean, it's a microcosm or a ghost, if you will, of the Spanish Civil War. Yeah. The innocents mm-hmm. are the ones getting hurt. Yeah. And what are they even fighting for anymore? Nobody really remembers. Yeah. yeah. They just are moving the symbols around to try and stay alive at that point. Um, but mm-hmm. one thing I'd like to say about Carlos, he was <laughs> he was so great, that actor. And um, I loved his bravery, even though he was innocent and didn't know the ways of the orphanage and everything. You know, he stands up to Jaime at one point. He also, um, like for the, he takes it to the kid, older kid, over refilling the jugs. You going to come with me? Oh, oh, okay. And we don't know at that point why the kid does it, but the kid does it because he unknowingly was saying, are you a coward? The other kids in the orphanage would have seen it that way. Sure. Because they knew that's where the ghost was. So, um, anyway. Yeah. 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 Keep going. Yeah. The, there was, there was, yeah, there was still, it, I, I just liked how it was shot and everything. Um, but uh, there was, there was something, uh, about the courtyard that came from, uh, Del Toro's life. There was a little bit of autobiographical stuff there, oh, I yeah? guess, I guess, uh, in his grandma's house. Um, which uh, him and his brothers would sleep at a lot. The water was in the courtyard, just like that. <laughs> and to go out there in the dark was uh, an oh. <laughs> adventure for a young kid, right? Yeah. And uh, something that stuck with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but I but I like that, and that's that's where he first you know saw where um, Santi had been killed was on that mm-hmm. little uh, water trip. And we also learn in that same little spot uh, about Jacinto, who is stealing keys and uh, <laughs> um, checking, trying to open that safe. So we yeah. see uh, Jacinto try to open that safe. Um, but yeah. Well, and I guess there's also probably a parallel between that pool in the bottom where Sante was killed and those disgusting were they embryos or full-grown babies yeah. who were in those jars wow. yeah. saved with rum? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Joseph, I feel like you, <laughs> yeah. you've seen it. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess it's like a mixture. I guess maybe he was the doctor for the town, too, and he saved some of them. So one of the things in the commentary, was it the commentary or one of the special features? I don't remember. He talks about, so this the Cesare gives this big speech about, you know, We've got these preserved. They call this the devil's backbone because there's these babies where the spine is kind of sticking out of the back. It's like yeah. these, the fetuses or the, the stillborn babies. And everybody thinks, you know, they're kind of superstitious about it, that there's some curse or some something about that. Something evil is associated with this. And he says, oh, no, but it's just it's uh, it's just the poverty and the malnutrition that causes that. Because in the commentary, Del Toro says it's spina bifida. Well, that's what I was just thinking. Yeah, yeah okay. So it's, it is something that's caused by malnutrition. If you, the, the mom doesn't eat right, it can happen to the babies. 
so he gives this whole big speech about this is really people are superstitious and we use this the the rum with like cloves and other spices to preserve it but then he like takes that stuff out oh, and he sells it he takes it to town and sells it to the locals yeah they think it like cures everything any problem right. you have is going to get cured by drinking this stuff and he says oh that's so foolish this is all that this is kind of crazy and he's talking because the carlos has come to him saying is there really a ghost here and so i think uh cesare is trying to convince him there's not a ghost there by saying yeah. oh you got to be all rational it's <laughs> like because you it seems like he's heading towards, hey, do you want to drink this stuff? Maybe this will be your ghost problem. And the kid is like, at the end of the thing, the kid is like, no, I think there's maybe not a ghost and I need to go. Because yeah. <laughs> he's been kind of scared by this. later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But then at the end of the scene, the Cesare just drinks the stuff. Even though he said it's like, this is just worthless kind of, it's not going to do anything for you. But so he's still got that element of superstition in him. He's still got a little attachment to that, the religiosity. He's not totally a rationalist. Yeah, he's not totally. And, and one of the things he said it cures is impotence. Right. And that's, yeah. that's to me, why he drank it. He's right, like, because, is it possible? Yeah, it's yeah. his ultimate longing for, I, well, I can't remember her name, the red-headed uh, lady. Um, Carmen. Yeah, Carmen. Yeah, Carmen. Right. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was both disgusting and sad. Yeah, yeah. Because mm-hmm. he knew better. But he was hoping without hope or beyond hope, I guess. Yeah. Well, you get to a point where you're so desperate, you'll try anything, right? Well, you know, and that's, yeah. And I'm just sitting here thinking of, you know, as Catholics, we live in a world where we're tempted to do that stuff all the time. Hmm. You know, we're, where are we trusting in things that we know in our hearts are not part of the faith or not. And I'm not, and I'm not really thinking of anything specific. I'm just thinking we all get so desperate. We do stuff we know we shouldn't do, mm-hmm. or we do stuff that yeah. we're just like, maybe this will work or we treat God like a vending machine. If I do this, will you do that? You know? Um, yeah. And it's, he's kind of like the ultimate expression of that. Cause he's so good in so many other ways, but he himself has this personal despair yeah. I don't know. I just uh Yeah, I would call it despair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he's so got then, a he's got a heavy yeah, weight. So yeah. it's that dark night of the soul thing, maybe. Mm-hmm. But you know the Spanish, they're all about that, right? Nah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got Saint John of the Cross and yeah, um yeah. and so mm-hmm. yeah, how do you lean on your faith even when those moments seem hopeless? Mm. And you're stuck in a situation like that one. Yeah. 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 I'm just realizing now that you're talking about it that actually I think the stuff does kind of force him into action because, you know, he takes it to town and like they go on like a supply run to town in the car and he brings oh, right, the, right. the liquor with him. And then when he's in town, he sees they're executing a bunch of the Reds. And one of them is like the friend that visited earlier. And he's That's like, oh, no, we've got to we've got to get Bamoose because uh, the uh, if he talked, then they're going to come and like trouble at the at the yeah, orphanage come and mm-hmm. so when he gets when yeah. they get back from that trip he like tells carmen the headmistress oh, we need to leave we like, need to leave now and she's like what about the boys the boys look like, we'll take as many of them as we can so uh, so <laughs> but then they're like she's like because i'm thinking oh really who are you gonna leave behind <laughs> as many as we can yeah yeah but then they're gonna take all of them so yeah, it yeah. seems like <laughs> it does seem like that but it it is uh 
you know, Carmen is a very confused person, right? You know, she's, she's got this gold and she could use it to feed these kids and, and now, uh, but she doesn't. And then now maybe it's because hope is lost and, you know, he's telling her we're, we're losing this thing. And, uh, now she's worried about the kids and we need to take them all. Right. Um, Oh, that's interesting yeah. because that makes me think, of course, then what you guys are both saying and, and coming back to my very vague thoughts about faith and despair and everything. And it's it's these catastrophes that jolt us into action, right? So mm-hmm. these are the things where we go, why does God let bad things happen? And it's like, well, we make the bad things happen or something does, an earthquake or whatever. But it's sometimes that's what we need to show us reality. Mm. What's really true we better get going. We need to get our priorities straight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, what do yeah. you, what do you hold on to in despair? Yeah. Right. Do you take some of the kids? Do you take all the kids? Mm-hmm. Do you use the gold for the, you know, this lost cause or, you know, a cause that's not helping you any, or do you mm-hmm. take care of the people who are right there in front of you, the innocent children? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And you see that she's, her priorities are still messed up even at the end. Cause there's, she has a fake compartment in her leg, right? <laughs> the gold in it that's the gold <laughs> and the key yeah. Yeah. the key that uh, Jacinta was looking for he would never find on the keychain because it's not on the keychain <laughs> yeah well that's how she's like my bad leg seems heavier today yeah like, yeah oh that was a lovely line later on you know yeah. you realize oh yeah. yeah and it's so funny because speaking of you know not getting your priorities straight till the end she's finally she's having her death scene and he's quoting her I learned a new poem today and I'm listening to this poem I'm telling my husband if I am dying, do not ever read me a poem like that, okay? First of all, you know I don't like poetry. Yeah. Second of all, so depressing. Um, but she's finally appreciating it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, finally, she's allowing him to, he's telling her the poem. And not that he didn't tell her poems, because he obviously I learned a new poem today. <laughs> but um, that's the closest we see to them being affectionate with each other. Mm-hmm. And honest. Mm-hmm. So, hmm. yeah, but then, so yeah, after that death and the death of so many uh, people, right? Because Jacinto lights everything on fire. Because he's um, he's crazy. We knew it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just certifiable, right? And then he comes back for the gold and uh, puts those kids in a in a room, and um, who comes and lets him out? <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, that was yeah, a hurry at that point he was dead, right? Yeah. Cesare was dead. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. But then he comes and lets them out. So. He comes and lets them out. <laughs> Good for him. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was that oh, was great. He's getting revenge yeah. from beyond the grave. Yeah, it's happening. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you're right. That's another revenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because he was it, sitting. It, the reason he died is he's sitting there like, I'm not moving. Mm-hmm. He's coming back. Yeah. And he's playing the music, which I kept thinking, I wonder if this music is significant for some reason, because they play very specific songs repeatedly. Mm. Um, anyway. Yeah. I didn't know what that was. Yeah. I don't know either, Mm -hmm. but it made me think, uh, whether or not, you know, of course it was intended. It made me think of Santa Anna playing that song to the guys in the Alamo over and over and over and over. (laughs) <laughs> which we learned in Rio Bravo. I hope everybody remembers that. That's where I got my history from. Uh, but uh, yeah, so that they would kind of, it's kind of like the, isn't that what they did to Noriega? They just played rock and roll yes, music and uh, shown bright lights. And I'm like, oh, yeah. this is the early version of that. <laughs> I'm coming to get you and I'm driving you crazy while I do it. Um, 
So I think the anyway. UN um, probably bans Bon Jovi and um, <laughs> is there a list of things that they're banned? <laughs> oh man! Any any 80s hair bands are not allowed. Uh, no. Yeah. But that ending, there's like revenge for everybody, right? Because there's they set up early on. They're like in the classroom, and the teacher asks about, "Oh, what are these gentlemen doing in this picture?" And there's a woolly mammoth that's being hunted by these like oh yeah guys with the spears. Mm-hmm. And then the numbers and, overcome the greater one. That's yeah. wow! I didn't catch that. That's yeah. good. So oh, then at the end, cool. you know, the kids are making spears in the room because they're going to fight it out because <laughs> there's more of them. I didn't and then make that connection. Get, I didn't connect that. I didn't catch that. <laughs> that. Yeah, at the end when they're fighting Jacinto down by the, the pool, uh-huh. they're all they're they're basically that picture again as them stabbing. Uh, oh, that is awesome! That's good. Yeah. Down. That's I awesome. just kept thinking Lord of the Flies, which I've managed mm-hmm. to always avoid, but you know, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, but that's that's really good. Them with the mammoth, yeah. That's so right. then, so then the boys are getting revenge, and then finally they toss him in the water, and he's since since he found the gold, he's like tied it to his belt. He can't swim back oh, yeah. up, right? Mm-hmm. So the gold is dragging him down, and then yeah. the other thing that drags him down is uh, Sante is the name of the ghost, right? Mm-hmm. And he comes and like hugs him. And he's like, no, because that's that's the end of uh, Jacinto. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So everybody gets revenge. The doctor gets revenge. The kids get revenge. And Santi gets revenge, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty satisfying that way. It yes. was. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That was the irony of, oh, you finally got the gold and you tied it on super tight. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is not going to come back and bite you at all. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I can't get it off my, Mm -hmm. oh, no. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, so that uh, at the the very beginning and at the very end, these lines are repeated. Yeah, Um, what's a ghost? Yeah, what is a ghost? I have the, the last lines here. What is a ghost? A tragedy condemned to repeat itself time and again, an instant of pain perhaps, something dead which still seems to be alive, an emotion suspended in time, like a blurred photograph, like an insect trapped in amber. And then um, at the end he says, a ghost is me. You know, which he didn't yeah, say. Yeah, because the, the doctor is now, he's right. now haunting the place too. Yeah. yeah, and he would have at the beginning too, right? Because he's yeah. telling the story the whole time. Yeah. yeah, it's all told in mm-hmm. flashback, as yeah. we discover. Right, uh, yeah. right. Yeah. Little framing story there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the little <clears throat> surprise at the end. Yeah. That's me. <laughs> that's me. Yeah. Yeah, so because that's the interesting question is, what is a ghost? And he has a lot of good explanations for it. Mm-hmm. But there's no reason for him to still be there. Right. So. Yeah. What is a ghost? Mm-hmm. You know, and you don't know if Sante has been set free or if Sante is still hanging around downstairs by the pool too. Yeah, with Jacinto. Yeah, <laughs> with Jacinto. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. Lord, yeah. let's hope not. That I would be the angry ghost. This. The other two are benign. Yeah, yeah. That's mm-hmm. where you feel like, oh, could you finish burning the place to the ground before you leave? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Orphans. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible! Wow. So yeah. But so, then the boys go off into the sunset. So there's kind of a hopeful ending. It's not mm-hmm. completely despairing. Yeah, they're they get to out. they get to leave. You know, they escape their prison, right? Yeah, and they're not going to wind up as ghosts there, like everybody else, mm-hmm. right? So. And they wind up, and they have worked together. Uh, Jaime is the leader. 
They've learned to trust each other. That may fall apart, but you feel like it might get them far enough mm-hmm. sure, to sure. save them. You you hope so. The kind of they've made a tiny little family of brothers, band of brothers, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking at some of the other themes, um, you know, in this book that I have. That uh, that one. Let's see. It says uh, some of Guillermo's core themes come to stark clarity in his third feature, which is this one: heroes and villains defined by their actions their choices and how far they will go. And then restraint is a value held in high esteem. What do you think of that one? Hmm. And then it says, and holding on to one's sense of self in the face of evil, evil desperation and despair as later epitomized in the pan in pan's labyrinth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're not the only ones always bringing up pan's labyrinth. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Yeah. So, but uh, I'm I'm not sure what I think about restraint as a value held in high esteem. I'm not sure what. I'm trying to think of that in in relation to this film. Restraint. Who 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 restrained themselves? I don't know who did. Did anyone? <laughs> yeah, it seems like all the restraint in the film is kind of uh, like bad. Like yeah. Cesare is the he's he's so passive at the at the beginning. That yeah. uh, his restraint is not a healthy restraint, right? Hmm. Yeah, everybody else is kind of doing whatever they want, and le- except the kids who aren't allowed to, but they're doing it when it's after dark. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, hmm. I guess if you think of restraint as self-control, then Carlos is the one who shows it most in just thinking it over because he's the one who says, no, I, I need to find out what the ghost wants. Hmm. And then, so, and then goes back and says, how do we stop people from dying? Which the ghost did not know, but yeah, Jacinto was the key to that. So mm. Jacinto, I guess. Yeah. Interesting. Name. Right. I've said it three different ways. So sorry to <laughs> everyone. Hope I got it right once. Oh man. That's <laughs> yeah. fun. Well, cool. Cool. I guess yeah. the other big theme for Del Toro is finding beauty in ugliness. Mm. Like this, like even uh, like broken things have a certain beauty in it. Like mm-hmm. the ghost is kind yeah. of like a porcelain doll with the head shattered. Is one of the things he said. Uh, and he's yeah, done that in other things. This like trying to find the beauty in the ugliness of things. Because I guess as Catholics, you know, we believe that too. There's uh, the crucifixion is a horrible thing that happened. Yeah, but there's great beauty that comes out of it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so being able to find that, and you know, Del Toro loves uh, Frankenstein. It's like his favorite novel, I think. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Just because yeah. the monster is uh, <laughs> so beautiful, I think he wants to make a movie of it, but everybody else keeps making yeah. junky movies, and he can't get the the backing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which is tough. Yeah, there's a couple of movies that I keep hearing um, that he's going to someday make, and one of them is Frankenstein. Oh but really? The, yeah. The other one is. Um, at the mountains of madness. Oh yes. You yeah. talked about that before. But I don't know. I, I looked at his IMDB today to see what his future things are. And, and none of that is, is in there. He's, he's a busy guy. He's got things in the, in the fire as you imagine, but uh, none of them are, well, he, he's doing um, some, uh, what do you call them? Uh, for, for young people, um, the, uh, let's see, what do they call Troll hunters. Tales of Arcadia. Oh yeah, yeah, um, the animated series. On right, Netflix. He, he's oh, been working yeah. a lot on that lately. Yeah, and then he's got another series coming out called Wizards, which I think is the same 
It's it says the third installment of the Tales of Arcadia trilogy, which is TV. Huh. It's on television. Yeah. Um, and then he's got Pinocchio as a screenplay that says it's in pre-production. Huh. And um, I, I laughed when I saw the description because it says a darker version of the classic children's fairy tale. <laughs> no. Have they read the original? Because it's not like yeah. happy. So I'm sure that's what he's got in his, in his head there. And then um, something called Nightmare Alley, which is a remake. Um, a corrupt con man teams up with a female oh. psychiatrist to trick people into giving them money. A remake of the 1947 film. Oh, called, I've seen that film. Called it's Nightmare super, Alley. Pretty yeah. dark, pretty scary. Is it? It's, uh, oh, what's the guy's name? Uh, it's one of the pretty boy actors from the 30s and 40s. Uh, I can't remember who he is. Um, let's see. I'm but sure it was a really good film. It's really, but it's pretty dark. Oh, was it? Hmm. Yeah, because he starts out like in a carnival. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like they're just helping out there, and then like all the best horror movies. Yeah, <laughs> but then he sees you know, so the carnival is full of like everybody from like the trapeze acts down to the 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 circus geek who like bites heads off chickens, you know, for uh-huh. entertainment. Which is like, yeah. uh, but he winds up there's like a uh, a hypnotist or whatever, and he learns the like the hypnotist trade, like how to do tells and stuff like that to do that. So he like goes through this whole arc of like building up to being like a famous, but he's a fake, he's a fraud. And then yeah. once he gets discovered, he has to go back to the carnival, and he's like, <laughs> he's so desperate, he'll take the uh, the circus geek job. I was gonna say, is he gonna bite the heads off chickens? Oh. Yeah, yeah, that's what he wants. <laughs> at the end, he's like so desperate that I need to hide out, and this is the only place I can hide out. Oh wow, <laughs> that was a, it was an interesting story. Yeah, that's wild, cool, <laughs> cool. And he's um, he directed an episode of The Simpsons. Did you know oh, that, wow. Julie? No, no way. Oh, I stopped paying attention to The Simpsons after about season twelve or oh, thirteen. Oh, I thought you were all over The Simpsons. Um, uh, Treehouse no, of Horror was, number twenty-four. Only when it was good. <laughs> Treehouse uh, no, of Horror number uh, twenty-four no. uh, from two thousand thirteen was directed by. No, it was really going downhill uh, with series uh, thirteen. We bought the DVDs because uh-huh. it had the rock and roll camp with the Rolling Stones and Tom Petty and everything. Oh wow, <laughs> nice, that was nice. a classic episode. <laughs> so good. So, wow. but even then, it's it's really fading pretty badly. So mm-hmm. we just watched mm-hmm. a few selected ones off that, and then. We wiped the dust off our feet. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Gotcha, gotcha. Got down on it. Yeah. Well, Pinocchio must really be happening because there's a logo. Oh, that's cool. (laughs) It says expected 2021. You know, I I know this is off topic, but I feel like Pinocchio is a boy's story. Yeah. Guys seem to like it, and I don't know any young ladies, who, unless maybe your daughter does or something, but I'm just like, eh. You know. I've never asked her about Pinocchio before. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't well, have any cast or attached yet. So, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I don't think I've shown my kids Pinocchio yet. Oh. The old Disney film, which the Disney film is pretty dark, too. I mean, it's yeah. Not, yeah. Yeah. In addition to the book, the movie was not particularly. <laughs> well, yeah, because unless you cast the entire story away, that's it's dark. Right, yeah. right. Wow. Tell lies. Bad things happen, man. <laughs> Bad things. Bad things. That's right. <laughs> I guess the other thing to say is that uh, it's very artistically done. Like the oh, color yeah. palette is, uh, yes. is amazing. Gorgeous. Yes. It's yeah. just a lot of uh, deliberately chosen colors and mm-hmm. scenes. 
yeah that work really well and like julie said there's there's some jump scenes but some of them are like the really obvious like the eye at the keyhole i mm. thought that <laughs> you kind of expect that to come you're like waiting and waiting and bam <laughs> just so. like, i'm not watching that i know what's going on here <laughs> come on it's who do like, you think i am i'm I gotta not peer that, at that keyhole a little closer because i'm not sure what's going to happen <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get really he, close. he doesn't know. He hasn't seen all the films you have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's fair. That That's more than fair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's interesting in this in this book oh, that goodness. I have opened that uh Del Toro himself talked about how the the makeup people really wanted to make Santi a decomposing corpse. You know? Yeah. And he, he was yeah. like, No, I want it to be porcelain. I wanted to to look like porcelain that's broken, and they were they were disappointed in him. But he was like, "No, do it this way. Do it this way." <laughs> uh, it's funny because to me, um, it didn't look like porcelain. Uh-huh. I just looked at it and went, "That kid has got a lot of white makeup on." Yeah. So yeah. Um, I I didn't get that effect. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like yeah. I say, I like when the special effects were happening, it was more unworldly, but otherwise I was like, Oh yeah, it's a kid with some makeup on over there. Yeah. By the pool. I think the thing right. that kind of, uh, makes it porcelain like is when you look at his head, I have a picture here. It's, it's shattered where the hole is, is shattered like glass. Oh yeah. You know, it's not, uh, you know, it's not like a regular wound. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, and it's like you know, well, why why was porcelain important to him? Not sure. I think as part of it, it's just not making him as horrible as as possible. Mm-hmm. He, yeah. he, he wanted it to be more sympathetic. I mean, to have a scary element, but not be like all scared. Oh, here it is. Here's the answer. Yeah, oh. he said um, we deliberately made the ghost a figure that evokes things that are fragile. Uh-huh. And there oh, okay. are echoes in the movie: the shell of an egg, the broken porcelain of a doll. And it has uh, tears of rust. I mean, it is mm. a crying ghost. All these things are made to evoke your sympathy rather than your terror. The ghost can function as a horrifying figure only very briefly in the beginning. But then he, by repeatedly showing him, it becomes clearer and clearer that he is not a pernicious presence. I win. Yes. Yep, yep, yep. Only because he did it so well that I was like, "Oh yeah, this is exactly how I feel." So mm-hmm. good job, Del Toro. <laughs> yeah. Very good. He's the saddest boy of all. <laughs> yeah, that's all. Yeah, that's cool. Well, it was also nice in the scene where they show um, what happened to him to see Jaime acting like a normal kid. Mm. He was being friends with this younger boy. They were enjoying discovery of the slugs or whatever it was, you know. Mm. Um, and he was horrified by the death. He wasn't um, he, he wasn't glorying in any of it or curious about it or wanting to ha- hang around with Yacinto more. He mm-hmm. was, you know, he was regular. And it was this that started, I think, to... He was, of course, upset and unhappy and scared and everything else. And you know, you, you express that and he mm. becomes a bully. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So good choice. Oh, yes, thank very you. Very good yeah. choice. Yeah. Thank you for picking it. 
I enjoyed it immensely again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I never yeah. would have watched it. And it's one, like I said, it's always been on my list, but I was always like, oh, scary, too scary. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, too revengeful and too much baby rum. I, I don't care for that. Oh. But, <laughs> baby but rum. At least I know why I don't want to watch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> too much so. baby rum. That's funny. Yeah, that's no, no <laughs> baby rum for yeah. me. Thank you. <laughs> I'll pass on that. Oh, shoot. Yeah. I love it. Yes. Thank you very much. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you for inviting me. This has been really great. I've really enjoyed this. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad. Fun to talk about. Yeah, it's been super fun. Very good. Very good. Well, cool. So what's up next? Oh, I think we're getting biblical with it. Yeah, we're getting biblical. That's right. (laughs) So we're going to talk about the the book of Genesis. Yay. Over three episodes, actually. Yay. (laughs) In the first episode, we're going to talk about Genesis 1. But we're also going to talk about Seven Glorious Days, which is a book by Carl W. Giberson. Which is and about... a book that I've already read. <laughs> Good. What'd you think? <laughs> I saw it. Yeah, I love it. I saw on the blog, I think, that it was going. I was like, I wonder if that's at the library. So then I like checked the library. Uh-huh. It wasn't at the main library. So I checked the other county. And the other mm-hmm. county had it. So it requested it from there. And, nice. Uh, excellent. Excellent. Try to get Good. ahead of the game. All right. Yeah. Well, wonderful. But yeah, that's what we're going to talk about next time. Yeah. So we're going back to the very beginning. Back to the very beginning. As yep. far back as we can. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Pretty much it. that's it. Yeah, that's great. Okay. Well, well good. this is a good start to the new year. Thank you this again, is. Joseph. This was so much fun. Oh, you sure. Bet. Glad All to right. do it. Yes, and thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Bye bye. All right. Bye bye. Thank you.